vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly, give or take a few days, 20 years after its original air date. So today we are talking about Sleeper. This is the one where we find out that Spike is killing again, and he didn't know about it, and everybody finds out at once. Cool. Fine. Um, it's a pretty good episode. Um, I like that everybody in general this season seems to be being mostly pretty open with each other about shit. I mean, compared to last season, especially, um, like as soon as Spike realizes what he's been doing, he calls Buffy and tells her. Um, and Buffy actually, like, instead of hiding Spike somewhere to help him or whatever, like she would have done in the past, she takes him and meets and calls everybody together um, and says, okay, here's what's going on. And I think, you know, I need to keep an eye on him and figure out what's going on and why and blah, blah, blah. Um, in the beginning of the episode, Willow is super open about everything that happened with the conversations with dead people situation. It's just interesting. Um, I guess I'm just noticing it because it's such a huge contrast from last season. So the episode starts with, um, it's like moments after the events of conversations with dead people. Buffy, um, shows up at Xander's house to see if Spike's there since Spike is staying with Xander and he's not there. And Xander's like, I don't know. I'm not his keeper. He goes out at night. He's a creature of the night. Um, he's probably out creaturing. <laughs> um, we see Spike humming and burying the body of the girl that we saw in the last episode that he was like chatting up. Um, the blonde girl that we saw him bite in the last episode. So he's burying her in this episode and we see it happening and he's humming something, which is the same. I guess we haven't heard this tune yet. So never mind. So he's humming something. Um, we get a moment at, I don't know if this is the watchers council or what, probably. So we see like, um, a watcher type, although we don't know this, um, I think we don't really know what's going on here, but it's just like an older guy. Um, and it says it's England and, um, he walks in and sees a girl dead. And as he's like checking on her, he gets attacked. Um, so that's just a little moment that we see at the very beginning of the episode. Uh, Willow comes home and finds Dawn in the middle of the huge mess that is the downstairs of their house after the whole horror movie situation that Don dealt with in the last episode. And, um, Don is the only one that isn't entirely open in this episode, really, because she doesn't tell Willow what Joyce said to her about how Buffy wouldn't choose her. She doesn't tell her. She just says, she said she, she tried to talk to me. She said that, that the evil thing was coming and that she loved us, but she left out the part about how Buffy wouldn't choose her or whatever. 
Um, Spike gets home while Buffy and Xander are talking about the whole situation. She's telling him exactly, like, updating him on everything that happened. And Spike comes home, and he seems genuinely casual and oblivious whenever Buffy kind of, like, drops Holden's name. And, like, why would he even, like, really know his name anyway? Like, I'm sh- I don't know. But, um... They call Anya to have her come over for the day to, like, keep an eye on Spike. Spike goes to bed. Um, and we see a little moment of Spike showing empathy for Buffy, too, because Buffy kind of says, you know, I had I had to kill a vampire tonight, somebody that I knew. And that's when she mentioned his name to see if Spike would react since Holden had said that Spike sired him. Um, and you know, Spike did not react to the name. And then he was like, oh man, you knew him. That must've been a picnic. And then just kind of like looks at her expectantly, like, you know, like basically with that pause, it was almost like he was asking, do you want to talk about it without being pushy? Which I liked. I liked that little moment. And she just kind of looks at him confused. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. Good night. (laughs) And he just disappears or goes into the bedroom. Um, So... Anya comes over to watch Spike all day. Um, Buffy gets home and she's panicking about Dawn um, because she sees it downstairs. And Willow stops her and says, it's okay, she's just freaked out. She finally fell asleep. Um, And then she updated Buffy on everything that happened with her on conversations with dead people. And she says, this big evil that's been promising to devour us, well, I think it started chomping. And that's when I wrote, Willow's very open about what happened. Buffy decides to follow Spike. Or she just says, I have to see for myself if Spike's really killing again. Or something like that. Um, Anya waits until freaking sunset to go snooping around in the bedroom to see what if Spike's hiding something or whatever. So she's like snooping around. Spike sleeps naked. Surprise, surprise. Um, Then he wakes up and like grabs her arm and says like, do tell a fella what it is exactly that you're doing here. (laughs) Something like that. And Anya like to cover um, says that she is there to have sex with Spike and she tries to like come on to him or whatever and he turns her down and it's just kind of funny and oh also Anya at some point like I don't understand why they put this particular line I mean Emma Caulfield at this point I am a little worried that she might have some disordered eating like to me she doesn't look healthy. And this is right about the time that a lot of people were developing eating disorders. Um, since we're talking 2002 here, when like the lower the pants got, the more women felt like they needed to starve themselves to look good in those fucking pants. I seriously blame low, low rise pants for a lot of things. (laughs) If you haven't noticed. And anyway, um, she, So the line is, like, whenever he rejects her, Anya's like, you think I'm fat? (laughs) It's like, what? 
How could anyone think that she's fat? She's kind of gaunt looking at this point. Um, where are we? We see a scene where Buffy is following Spike through town and it's ridiculous. Like what? Is there some kind of fair in town? Why are there people everywhere? This is Sunnydale. There's never been like a crowd of this many people ever in the history of Buffy. I don't think seriously. So she's following him as he's like chatting up someone and she loses him in the crowd. But we see him in an alley. We see him attack the woman and drink her blood. And we see like an image of him taunting him, telling him to do it. Um, oh, no, that's not true. We see Buffy as the first, which at the time I thought this was funny. I didn't know this because even though I was watching Buffy in real time and I was also on the internet back in 2002, but I didn't, um, I didn't know about the bronze, which is like the famous, the infamous, like online forum, fan forum for Buffy. Um, okay. So this was in the Nikki Stafford episode guide for want of the big bad's real name. Cause at this point in real time, while you're watching it, you don't know that it's the first for want of the big bad's real name, fans were referring to it online as Morphe the Wonder Villain. <laughs> Morphe. <laughs> because it can morph into different people. Um, so anyway, we see the first as Buffy taunting Spike to, like, kill the woman. Um, and then Buffy shows up. I don't know why she waits until later in the evening. Why wouldn't she just catch up to him and confront him immediately? But they show her like breaking into his room at Xander's, like in the middle of the night or something. And the dialogue is really weird in the scene because she's like, where were you last night? And it's like, it's obviously still night <laughs> or maybe it isn't. Maybe it's the middle of the day at this point, but why would she have waited that long? Whatever. Um, and she's like, did you kill her? Did she turn, did, did you make her one of you or what? Is she one of your kind now? That's not something that Buffy would say. She would just be like, did you sire her? Did you turn her into a vampire? Like she wouldn't have said, is she one of your kind now? <laughs> like, that's so weird. That's just out of character. Whoever was writing the dialogue. Let's see who wrote this episode written by David Fury and Jane Espenson. Which is weird because they're both like regulars. They, they know. I don't know. It's weird. It's just weird. Um, so she's confronting Spike and Spike's like, no, I, I wouldn't do that. I can't. And Buffy's like the chip and Spike says, not the chip. I'm, you know, and he basically says that he's tortured by guilt for everything that he's done while he was a vampire. He would never add to that guilt. And then he's, he has this really moving speech. I think he says this chip they did to me. I couldn't help it, but the soul I got on my own for you. And, you know, again, like true to what he said, whenever we first, um, see him again in the season, he tells Buffy essentially, I'm not asking anything of you. You know, I'm here. If, 
if you want to use me, utilize me for help, I can help. Um, but I'm not asking anything of you. And he's been true to that. He hasn't been pushy towards her. He hasn't been like stalking her around. Like he's absolutely head over heels in love with her, but he's not treating her like an obsession anymore. Um, I mean, he's still very fixated on her, but he's not, he's not overstepping her boundaries. And I think that's really cool. Um, I'm liking Spike right now. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then I wrote, he doesn't seem to remember. He really genuinely doesn't seem to remember anything. He doesn't seem to be being overly defensive. He's just saying, you know, something like that. I would remember, I would remember the taste of human blood. I'm not doing that. I wouldn't do that. You know, like he, he's trying to explain himself why, why, you know, he's trying to explain why he couldn't do that. And it's believable because James Marshall is an amazing actor. Um, we get this funny quote from Anya. I used to tell the truth all the time when I was evil. This might actually be the quote of the episode, maybe. Um, I'm going to just, uh, I have a highlighter here, so I'm just going to highlight a little bit of it just to remember later in case there's a better, I feel like there was a few decent quotes of this episode. Um, and then Buffy at one point says right now, he's the only one who knows for sure. Because they're all, like, in research mode or whatever. And Buffy's being very open with everybody about what's going on. Good for Buffy. It's, it's new for her. <laughs> Not really, but, you know. <sighs> anyway, we see Spike, like, this evening. He's starting to get flashes of... Because um, when he was talking to Buffy, he, he kind of explains, you know, I... I talk to people because I can't talk to you. I go out, I talk to people or I don't, it's really boring. And then like the more he talks, the more you can see that he's realizing he has missing time. Um, so he starts to get little flashes of, um, maybe he hurt that girl from the night before. Um, so he starts, he goes out to like investigate. Um, to try to figure out what's going on. He starts to like ask people around different places like the bronze or wherever to see if um, anybody recognizes the girl, knows her, knows if they've seen her, like stuff like that. He's trying, he's trying to figure out what's going on just in case Buffy's right, you know? And Oh yeah, Spike knocks out Xander because Xander tries to stop him from leaving the house um, whenever he's going out to like investigate stuff. And he tells Xander, I'm going to go find proof that I didn't do this. And I think he's just posturing a little bit because he's worried that he did do it. But um, Xander tries to stop him and he punches Xander <laughs> and you can see that his chip is still working. Um, and, oh, and then we get Amy Mann at the bronze, which is great. I, we get this entire fight scene because Spike, you know, he's asking everybody, have you seen this girl? Have you seen this girl? No one has. He goes upstairs and so that he can like get a better vantage point to like look over the crowd to see if she's there, stuff like that. So he goes up to the balcony and um, a black chick starts talking to him, starts like flirting with him and he is trying to get her to go away. But then she puts on her vamp face and she, you know, insinuates that he turned her. 
and this whole fight scene ensues. And the entire time, we're just listening to Amy Mann singing Pavlov's Bell, which is one of my favorite songs from Buffy. Um, and it's just awesome. Like, so much better than just hearing terrible fight noises and, like, you know, slaps and punches and all of that. Those fucking, like, pow, boom, whatever comic book noises when people fight. Like, I'm not into that shit. But people fighting during cool music? I like that. Um, so, I'm trying to figure out where is the best place to put this microphone. So sorry if the if the sound keeps getting weird. Eventually I'll figure this out. I've only been doing this podcast for like eight years. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. There's this whole funny moment where um, Spike um, stakes the vampire chick and she falls over the like balcony railing and she dusts as she's falling or as she hits the ground or something like that and you know right in front of the stage so the band stops and everybody just sort of like looks around confused and then they just start playing again (laughs) and everybody goes back to dancing or whatever it's just a funny moment um and I just wrote, can we please have cool music cues every time there's a fight scene? Because <laughs> it was genuinely, like, I was watching it. I don't normally pay attention to the fight scenes. I just sort of space off or I start doing something else. Or, you know, I just don't care. But I watched this one, not because the fight choreography was any better than usual, but because of, you know, it was cutting back and forth between the fighting and the the band playing on stage. And it was just good. That's all. Um, We see... Oh, Buffy is looking for Spike. She shows up at some dance club or something. Like, where's this dance club? It's literally never shown up before or ever again. But it's like a hopping dance club in Sunnydale, California. There's so many people in this episode. It's like more extras than they've ever had. Um, It's crazy. But, so, Buffy starts talking to the bouncer, describing Spike, Um, and she says, you know, he's sallow, but in a hot way. (laughs) And the guy's like, yeah, I've seen him. He leaves here every night with a different girl. Um, This guy, this not-your-boyfriend guy, you should probably lose him, because he's a real player. Um, So, it was fun. Fun little moment. Um, And then we get this moment of Spike going to a payphone to call Buffy. Cell phone, actually. I don't, you know, we actually see Buffy using her cell phone a few times, um, but we see him stop at the payphone to call Buffy, and in that scene, it's like out back behind the bronze, I guess, because we see Amy Mann and her band walking out, and she's like, man, I hate playing Vampire Towns. (laughs) It's just a nice little acknowledgement that some people do know what's going on in the Buffy world. Some people actually get it. Um, oh, I just had a question. What are the rules for siring a vampire and how long it takes them? They never address this and it's just, it's always so inconsistent. It annoys me. I've probably mentioned it before, but it's like, okay, 
So just talking about, just keeping it to this scenario that we are dealing with in this episode. So Spike has killed and turned about 10 people, I think we're supposed to think. We see like seven of them rise in at the end of the episode. So even if he killed them on consecutive nights, he would have been burying one person every night for seven nights. Why would they all rise at the exact same time? That makes no sense. And then with Holden, um, Buffy even said that he had told her, because she was telling Spike this, that Spike had just like drained his blood and left him in a parking lot somewhere. Um, but if he was turning him, then, you know, there's the whole blood exchange thing. You don't just turn into a vampire in this universe. Anyway, you don't just turn into a vampire because you've been bitten by one. It's not like werewolves, but so I guess Holden was found and then buried, but, and then he rose because he rose in the cemetery but I don't understand how that timeline could have worked because <laughs> Buffy was saying that it was two nights before that Holden was killed. Two nights before Buffy was talking to Spike about it. So it would have been, it's very, it's just very wrong <laughs> because in the real world, let's say vampires are real. Let's say someone found Holden dead in a parking lot and then there was a funeral and then he was buried and then he rose from the grave. This whole process would have taken maybe weeks because if he was just dead and drained of his blood in a parking lot, then there would have been a police investigation it possibly could have been months or even years before he was actually interred into the ground. <laughs> you know, I don't understand. And sometimes like that one time a vampire rose in like the funeral home after their wake or something or the day before their wake. And usually they actually rise from the grave. How long does it take? Does it, I, anyway, I'll just stop. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about how that works. We see the song triggering Spike um, in the basement. So Buffy has, so Spike has called Buffy and told him the address of this house. And he's telling her everything. He's like, I think I've been killing. I think I killed the lady who lives here. I think I've buried people here in this basement. And she is kind of lured down into the basement. And as soon as she gets down there, the first does that thing, sings the song and Spike immediately starts to try to kill Buffy. And, but as soon as he like tastes a little bit of Buffy's blood, like he's, he didn't actually bite her. She was like bleeding from a cut because at this point she's fighting all the vampires that have risen in the basement simultaneously. And there's like seven of them. I'm pretty sure. Um, 
which actually tracks the numbers actually track. If he actually killed 10 people, there's Holden, there's that black lady he saw at the bar. There's, um, I feel like there was somebody else. And then there was the seven in the basement. Am I missing someone? I guess there must have been eight in the basement. I don't know, whatever. I think they actually got the number pretty close to what they were trying to say <laughs> is the point of that. Um, so as soon as he, like, so she has, like, a cut on her arm or something, and, like, two of the vampires are holding her um, for Spike to, like, drain her blood, and he sort of, like, licks a cut on her shoulder or something, kind of tastes it, and that, for some reason, triggers all of the memories to come back to him all at once. Like, he realizes everything that he's done, and it jolts him out of, um, out of his triggered state, or whatever it's called. It all comes back to him. So I thought that's interesting. I mean, I don't know if they were trying to say something with this, like, like the spell is broken because he tasted a slayer's blood maybe because she is a symbol of goodness um perhaps i don't know that's what i'd like to think um so as soon as he like realize as soon as all of those memories come back to him he's just he's shocked and he like backs up to the other side of the room and um Buffy quickly dispatches all of the vampires at this point because they are not needed for the plot anymore. <laughs> so she kills them all real quick. Um, and then he, she goes over to the other side of the room where Spike is like crouching down and he sort of opens up his shirt and he's like, just do it quick, you know, cause he thinks that she's going to stake him for everything that he's done. And she, he wants her to kind of, um, because this is adding to his kill count. This is adding to his guilt. Um, and at one point he says the most, um, just equating Buffy to tarot again, which by the way, there's going to be a Buffy tarot deck. It's coming out in like March or something. And of course I'm going to get it. I mean, for a while I kept saying, you know, somebody's going to buy it for me. I don't even have to buy it for myself, but you know what? I started thinking the last couple of days, I might just go ahead and pre-order it. Because, you know, I can just get it from Amazon. It's going to be like 20 bucks. You know, if I change my mind, I can always cancel it. I might as well just get it for myself. March is not a time when anybody's going to be getting me a gift anyway. And I don't want to wait. I want to get it immediately. And even if it sucks, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I care. But um, I'm going to have to have it in my hands at some point. So I might as well buy it for myself. But anyway, point is... This, this next quote is part of the reason why I think Spike is the Knight of Cups. And I am going to be pissed if Spike is not the Knight of Cups. <laughs> I mean, I can understand if they give it to Angel because the Knight of Cups is supposed to be like, you know, the perfect, like, love boy. It's, it's a lovesick puppy. The Knight of Cups is a lovesick puppy. And the most lovesick puppy of Buffy, the most lovesick puppy of Buffy, is definitely hands down Spike. No one would argue with that. But then he says this quote, 
which is totally the tagline for the Knight of Cups card, just in general. <laughs> he says, I can't cry this soul out of me. It won't come. And it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> because the Knight of Cups is very free and easy with his emotions. He is not afraid to cry. And you know who we didn't really see? Well, I guess we did see Angel cry a lot. But it wasn't very convincing. <laughs> I think they just had to squirt water on his face or something <laughs> off screen. <laughs> anyway, um, he asked Buffy for help. So this is a conversation that we have seen. So he asks her for help and she says, I'll help you. And we've seen this conversation play out like two or three other times. And it's always been the first talking to him and saying it, you know, that one time we had that dialogue where the first was saying to him as Buffy, it's you and it's me. We'll figure this out, you know, or something like that. Just being very nurturing and like all that stuff. But this time it's actually her that says, I'll help you. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, then the very last scene is everybody back or almost the last scene next to the last scene, I guess everybody back at Buffy's house, like Scooby meeting Buffy's updating everyone on what's happening. She's and spike is like across the room covered in a blanket. <laughs> um, like, yeah, like he's just been through a traumatic experience, which he has. And spikes like, you should have seen him down there. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know that he had done this. And I got to figure out what's making Spike do this. I, you know, I think something is messing with all of us, including Spike and especially Spike. And I think if I get close to him, I can not only find out, you know, what is doing, I can find out more about this thing, this big evil thing. And of course it's to, to some extent, it's Buffy rationalizing the fact that she wants to get closer to Spike because she is very intrigued by him. You know, he makes her feel more alive than everyone else does. And at this point, she, I feel, I feel they're not really going to go back to like the whole attempted rape thing again. Like it might get mentioned a few other times, but at this point I feel like Buffy is okay now. She's not really traumatized by it anymore. And of course, Spike still feels awful about it. And he's still thinking about it. But at this point, I don't think Buffy's really thinking about it anymore. Um, she wasn't like flinching or anything every time she had to like fight Spike or touch him or anything like that. At this point, she's very intrigued by him and she's starting to be a little bit wooed by him because, you know, he, he did all of this for her and that does inflate her ego. She is interested in that. <laughs> um, okay. I guess that's it really. So we do have the next episode where we find out even more about the trigger. Let's see. Let's just read. Maybe I'll just start reading the description of the following episode the week before. Never leave me. Next week, Andrew's return to Sunnydale is discovered by the Scoobies. And when the bringers attack Buffy's house, Buffy finally realizes what they're up against. Okay. So yeah, that should be a pretty good episode. Should be, um, a lot of notes for that episode. 
Um, so that'll be next week. Oh, I forgot the very, very last scene. I forgot to even mention it. Um, we see that um, Giles has shown up wherever that other other guy was. I'm guessing this is like the Watchers Council, like home base or library or something. Giles shows up, finds his friend, finds that chick dead on the floor that that guy found earlier, way early in the episode. And then he finds his friend and he starts talking to him. And the guy just says, gather them. <laughs> it started. <laughs> um, and Giles says, I understand. I know exactly what to do. And then you see a scythe, um, just like inches from Giles's neck and it cuts off like to be continued or something. Um, so, and if I remember correctly, they draw this out. You don't know that Giles is alive for several episodes. And I remember at the time the like previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, this little scene was played in every single previously for like five episodes in a row because they wanted you to remember. We don't know if Giles is alive and we're not going to tell you for a while. Like I straight up watching this in real time. I don't know how many episodes. It felt like a lifetime. <laughs> so I guess we're going to find out how long do we not know that Giles is alive. So November 26th to <laughs> when do we find out? Actually, you know what? Because I have the memory of a Dory, I'll probably forget that I'm trying to track this. So I might as well just answer this question for myself right now. I'm just going to look through the episode guide. As Spike is tortured by Drusilla slash the first, Giles returns with some new house guests. Okay, so this is December 17th. So we see Giles December 17th. So it's a little less than a month that we have to. But then there's a question a couple episodes in. Is Giles actually the first? When do we have that question? I don't know. That's, I don't know. I can't answer that right now <laughs> with, <laughs> I don't feel like pausing and actually finding it out, but I guess, you know, it's about three weeks that we don't know if Giles is alive. And then they tease us later on with, well, maybe he hasn't been alive this whole time. Um, but yeah, anyway. So ratings of the episode. Um, I used to tell the truth all the time when I was evil. It's going to be the quote. Outfit of the episode. Buffy was wearing weird, like, cream-colored sweaters and shit this episode. Ugly. Um, Anya was wearing a stupid beaded shirt. My mom liked it, but I hated it. Um, and this other really terrible low-rise jeans slash top that was split right under the boobs, cropped. I don't know. It's... I just hate all the fashion from this era. So I don't think anyone had an outfit of the episode. Um, hold on. 
you know what? Yes, actually. I'm going to give it to Amy Mann because she was wearing cool menswear pinstripe suit situation. So she definitely was the best dressed in this episode. No question. Object of the episode. Ooh, I feel like there was something. Hold on, I have to think about it. No, I think I'm thinking of last week. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a stupid one. But you know, I've never had a pair of leather pants. I think it would be cool to have like one pair of actual leather pants that actually fit me. I think that would be cool. I would enjoy to have that. <laughs> so at one point in the episode, Spike is wearing leather pants. So I'm just going to say leather pants is my object of the episode. MVP. Who is the MVP in this episode? Spike was very open and honest. And kind of grown up. Like, having a soul has definitely made him more mature. Like, even though we've mostly just seen him crazy, he also is more mature. Um, he's handling having a soul so much better than Angel did. So much better. Xander's pretty on top of things in this episode. Willow, we don't see very much, but she's doing fine. Dawn is keeping things from people. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, you know what? I'm going to give it to Amy Mann. Just because, you know, she really did drive the best scene in this episode. <laughs> and everyone else is just kind of doing a pretty good job. You know, like nobody's really standing out. And I don't want to give MVP to Spike because he's been killing people, even though it's not his fault. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it to Amy Mann. Um, five by five. I mean, this is a very solid episode. It's not like a standout as far as being a good episode. But it's not bad. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. Okay, cool. That's it. And I will be back next week. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Okay. Bye.